If you've been following BFR for some time, or if you've read any research, you've probably come across the 30-15-15-15 protocol. In this episode, we're going to break down what that protocol is, kind of the purpose behind it or the thought process behind how it came to be, and then most importantly, how you can apply it to your trading. Jumping into what it is, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's fairly clearly defined in the name itself. 30, 15, 15, 15 just represents the rep scheme. So it means one set of 30 followed by three sets of 15 with 30 seconds rest in between each set. Well, that's simple enough for the what, right? But what about the why? Uh, you know, what's the purpose behind this rep range? There's no magic in the specific numbers, 30 and 15, 15, 15. Could you get the same results with a 28, 13, 13, 13? Sure. Uh, but there is some, you know, there was some nuance to where the actual rep scheme came from. And to understand that logic, you first have to understand really briefly the primary physiological drivers of hypertrophy or muscle growth. We touched on this in our last podcast episode, but as a brief refresher, uh, right at the center, we've got mechanical tension. Uh, we're fairly certain that mechanical tension is a the potent stimulator of hypertrophy, uh, and that's just force going through muscle fibers. So that, that's why we need to lift weights to put on muscle. Very simple. Uh, and the weights need to be a heavy enough load to drive a hypertrophic stimulus. So that's sort of front and center mechanical tension. Uh, there are two other mechanisms that we're aware of that, that could be contributors or that likely are. One of them, I'm going to, just like I did last week, kind of breeze through, which would be muscle damage, because we're still not sure whether or not muscle damage uh, is correlative or causative. For instance, recovering from muscle damage and then actually synthesizing new muscle tissue, so like the adaptation from training, require, they kind of pull on the same resource pool. So muscle damage can actually compete or, or hinder muscle growth if there's too much. At the same time, it's hard to imagine somebody being able to put on muscle without inducing any level of damage. So, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it, we're still not sure, is it causative? Is it correlative? We'll find out more in the years ahead. Um, so I'm going to push muscle damage to the side for now. So we've got mechanical tension, like I said, front and center, very similar to what we talked about last week. And then we've got metabolic stress. This is where the 30, 15, 15, 15 protocol starts to make sense. So another driver of muscle growth is probably the pump and the burn, uh, put simply. So we're all familiar with like a higher rep set. You'll tend to experience much more of uh, a burn in the muscle, and generally, most people will get better pumps in most exercises doing a, a set of you know ten to thirty reps versus five to ten. That pump itself is probably a, a stimulator of muscle growth. The the muscle cells themselves are actually swelling, which can lead to muscle growth. We think, uh, and the same thing with the metabolite accumulation. When you uh, do such energy demanding sets or, or sets that take generally a longer time period, there's more reps and they create a greater demand for oxygen. There's just more metabolites that accumulate uh, than you'd get from like a set of five or, you know, a heavy set of three to five. So you've get, you have this metabolite accumulation, the presence of those metabolites. Again, a, a key one would be lactate, which we're all fairly familiar with. That itself is probably another driver of hypertrophy kind of comes alongside mechanical tension. Um, so, so we've got that swelling metabolite accumulation kind of playing the side contributor role to hypertrophy alongside mechanical tension. When we're training, we always have to pull on that mechanical tension string. And to some degree, we're always pulling on that metabolic stress string. Uh, in the last episode, I referenced it a bit like a spectrum. So there's always going to be mechanical tension involved and there's always to some degree going to be me metabolic stress involved. When we're training with BFR, we're really 
far on the metabolic stress side of the spectrum because we're generally training with lower loads, 20 to 30% of your 1RM. So with that, uh, there's going to be a, a lot more metabolite accumulation, a lot more pump and burn than we'd get from a traditional low load set. Hence why early researchers landed on this protocol. You know, when you do a set of 30, that's a, a pretty strong start, really high volume in a single set. You're going to get quite a bit of a burn, pretty big oxygen demand. And then remember, there's only 30 seconds rest in between each set. So you've got 30 seconds to recoup and you're right back at it for three more sets just like that of, of 15 reps. So we're really trying to max this metabolic stress stimulus uh, which is why the researchers landed on this higher rep, shorter rest window. So that's kind of the, the thought process or the logic behind the rep scheme. All right, so we're breezing through this. We know what it is. It's a rep scheme. Uh, the name itself identifies the amount of reps, and each set has 30 seconds rest. Uh, we know the why. The why is just because BFR involves low load sets. We're trying to max out the metabolic stimulus, so we need those short windows um, and higher volume compressed in a shorter time window. But what about the how? There's three things to think about in terms of the execution here. We've got occlusion percentage, you know, what occlusion percentage should you train at? Load, how heavy should you train? And then just what exercises? So we're going to go through those right now. As far as occlusion percentage goes, we've seen a pretty broad range work well in the literature. Uh, but in general, 50% LOP is a really good place for most people to start. You can use that for upper and lower body. Generally, people will tr tend to train at higher pressures on lower body. But if you're just starting out, 50% is a really good place to start. And you can kind of play with higher percentages as you move on. If you're unsure what some of this terminology is, you know, LOP, AOP, refer back to some of our earlier episodes. We did a whole episode on limb occlusion pressure. But the, the short answer is just that, uh, you know, limb occlusion pressure is the minimum pressure required to fully restrict your arterial flow into your limb. So if you're training at 50%, like I'm referencing, that would be training with 50% of the blood flowing into your limb occluded. I'll make one important note on limb occlusion pressure. It's important to track the percentage that you're training at. If, if, you're, if you're training with a real priority here, uh, we should track our occlusion percentage the same way that we track, you know, reps, sets, weight, you know, reps in reserve intensity, all of those metrics are important to track. And they obviously all play a role in dictating, you know, the, the fatigue that we're going to accumulate from our session or our performance. You know, if we know what load we're training at, we can know how many reps we kind of expect to get based off our last session. And if we're just arbitrarily applying pressure to our limbs, it's really hard to tell, you know, did we make progress from last session? Uh, maybe we just had trained at a higher occlusion or a lower occlusion. Um, so I think it's, you know, we're, we're literally talking about blood flowing into the limb. It's really important to make sure that we have an accurate way to track how much blood is being occluded. I'm going to plug our product here, the BFR Cuffs by Saga do all of this work for you. There's a one tap button within our mobile app that will measure your limb occlusion pressure for you. And then you can just easily select what occlusion percentage you want to train at. Uh, and it's very straightforward, user-friendly system. If you want to find out more, you can look in the show notes and we've got a link to our website and all that. But moving on, we've covered occlusion. What about load? Well, like I referenced earlier, BFR does not make much sense to train with heavy loads, at least from our understanding of the literature today. There doesn't seem to be a, a practical application for it. So pick weights that are somewhere between 20 to 30% of your 1RM. Now, most people you know, for instance, a common exercise you would do with the BFR cuffs would be, you know, bicep curls or tricep extensions. If you're doing upper body, most people don't know what their max is. Very few people max out on a bicep curl or a tricep extension. So just pick a weight that you can land somewhere around 20 to 30 reps in. That's a really good place to start if you're not sure. And then just take your set up to or fairly close to failure. Lastly, we've got exercises and there is an ocean 
of opportunities here. There's no dogma. There's no specific exercises that you have to do if you're training BFR. Uh, so broadly, most exercises that you do without BFR, you can perform with BFR. But in general, think about muscles distal to the cuff. So if you've got your upper body cuffs on, just think about training muscles that are you know away from the cuff. So kind of from the cuff and down. So your biceps, triceps, forearms, stuff like that. And then if you've got lower body cuffs on, same thing. Think quads, hamstrings, calves. Some brief examples. If you if you want to do an arm day with BFR cuffs on, any version of a bicep curl. So you've got dumbbell, barbell, cable curls. There's a million curl variations that you can implement. But try working with a with a 30, 15, 15, 15 protocol. Monitor your rest, cap it at 30 seconds. Uh, and you can, you know, work through a couple bicep exercises, a couple tricep exercises you know, tricep extensions, behind the head extensions, some skull crushers. At the end of the day here, I'm just listing some bicep and tricep exercises. There's not much complex here. I would just think about lifts that you can perform, you can execute well, uh, that you get a really good stimulus from. In other words, like, do you actually feel your biceps and triceps contracting? Do you get a pump in them? Uh, it'd be fairly odd to not get a bicep pump or tricep pump from doing a, you know, a 30, 15, 15, 15 with BFR cuffs, highly unlikely. But again, just pick exercises that in general, you feel give you a really good stimulus and are really good at targeting the muscle that you're looking to train. And then for lower body, if we're talking quads, a hack squat is great. You could elevate your heels a little bit and do a, you know, a goblet squat or a, a moderately loaded back or front squat. Walking lunges are phenomenal. A split squat is another option. And then hamstrings, you've got like a prone or seated hamstring curl, great exercises. I think most people probably aren't strong enough to do 30 reps on a Nordic. So Nordics would kind of be out the gate unless you can do some sort of assisted Nordic. Some gyms will have assisted Nordic devices. Um, but for this protocol specifically, with that high of reps, um, I'd, if you can do 30 strict Nordics, I would love to meet you. And then you have calves. Good old-fashioned calf raisers will cover your bases here. Again, there's no dogma. We're just listing some well-known and phenomenal lower and upper body exercises just to get your wheel spinning a little bit on how you can implement this. But the most important note is just to make sure to train distal to the cuff in general. There is some literature that would suggest that maybe we can get some benefits in our chest and glutes. That's probably a separate topic. Uh, but best practices in general, think about training, again, muscles distal to or away from the cuff. And there you have it, fairly straightforward, but I hope this gave you some of the logic behind this protocol. We get a lot of questions on on how to implement this protocol or, or where did it come from? It's kind of an odd rep scheme. So we hope this brought some clarity, but again, if you have any questions at all, my personal contact info, my email is in the show notes for you. I'm happy for you to reach out. Uh, and if you have suggestions for episode topics, we're always interested in hearing those as well. So feel free to reach out anytime. But until next time, have a great week and we'll see you all soon.